Hi, everyone. My name is Ellen A. <laughs> and I am an alcoholic, and my home group is the Seal Beach Speakers Meeting, and we meet on Monday night. And it's a great meeting. Um, I was... Um, I was born in, in Victoria, British Columbia, and I came from a, a home that was very dysfunctional. I didn't know what that was. I, I, I thought that all the kids got beaten at home, you know, and, and, uh, and so I just took it. And I was also a, 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 a victim of incest. And I tell you this because we find that there's more and more coming. And if there's anybody else out there, which I know there is, there always is somebody, uh, you're not, it isn't your fault. Uh, we go around and, and we just put the guilts on our head. And uh, about that, they said, and I used to say, why couldn't I have stopped that? Why couldn't I? You can't. You can't. You're a child. And uh, I didn't even know what was being done to me, really. But uh, um, I... Uh, I, uh, at about the age of 17, my mother was wondering why I wasn't going out dating and, and things like that, because the little boys would call, call me and ask me out, and I, and I wouldn't go with them. I was scared of them, and I hated them. I, you know, I thought that was going to be my life, you know, and I, and I wouldn't have anything to do with them. So she couldn't understand this, and I, of course I never told her, because I, would, I knew it was my fault, so she would beat me, and I wouldn't tell her. <clears throat> so uh, anyway... Uh, I, uh, my mother used to say, well, what, you know, you can go out and date if you want. And uh, I said, no, I don't want to. And uh, so she says, well, why don't you go to the YWCA dance on Saturday night? Hell, I wouldn't like this, uh, that uh, YWCA dance at my age or any age. I, it was just real boring. But uh, finally, I just, uh, I just... Uh, she, she just talked me into it, and she got me all dressed up and sent me off. And I came home that night, and, and uh, she says, did you have a good time? And I said, no, because I didn't dance. Anybody that asked me to dance, and I said, no, and I hid in the corner. Well, she, then she sent me off the next Saturday night. And uh, so finally, uh, this, uh, I always said no. But one night, this guy came up to me, and he asked me to dance, and I said no. And he says, you know, he says, we've got a bottle of wine out there in the, in the alley. Would you like to have some? Now, I had never seen the effects of alcohol. I, my, my parents didn't have it in the house. They never drank. And uh, so uh, I don't know why I said yes, but I said yes. And because uh, uh, I really wanted to belong, you know. I wanted to belong and be like the other girls, and I just wasn't. So... I got out there and they gave me this bottle and I just tipped it up and started to drink it. And, oh, it tasted good, you know, it was real fine and the bottle was passed around again. And just about that time I got hold of the bottle again and I took another great big swig of it and I think that was about the end of the bottle. But uh, it, did, it did the thing, it did the thing. It made me just cool, laid back, I was just the queen of the dance. I love that comfort. The gut knots were out of my stomach. I could, I could just be. A, I thought I was Ginger Rogers, and I looking for my Fred Astaire in there. And boy, you, I was there every Saturday night, and I was also out there in, in the in the alley on Saturday night, roaming up and down to get some. Now in British Columbia, they have a. Uh, you have to have a license to buy booze. And of course, at the age of 17, I could not to do that. So when these fellows would start calling me, um, I would say, well, how old are you? <laughs> and uh, if they said under 21, I'd say, no, I don't want to go. <laughs> I was real rude about it. And then if they said yes, then I'd say, I'd bring a bottle. And so, of course, the guy would. And uh, it didn't take me long to realize that <clears throat> I... I just uh, should get out of that house. And so I took my sister, and we both went to Vancouver. She was, she was younger than I was. Now, this was uh, way back. Um, uh, Canada had just gone into the war, and, but there was still this tail end of the Depression, and jobs were hard to get. My sister walked in, and she got a job dancing in a chorus line up in, the, in a Chinese 
a nightclub. It was way down in Chinatown, but you know, it was a job. And all I could get was uh, housework and washing windows, and I didn't like that. One day I, I thought, well, I don't know, maybe I should get married, something like that, you know, and uh, have somebody take care of me. But this was a long story in my, my life, was the getting married. I became a, 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 a I always say I, I was a, a, a drunk and, you know, just, just a plain drunk. And so anyway, uh, one day I went up to, to watch her and I wanted to talk to her about something and I walked in and they were rehearsing and the band was there. So I'd had a few drinks and I, so I went up to the microphone and I started to sing. And then he says, hey, you can sing. Do you want a job? And I said, sure do. And uh, I didn't, I just let it go at that. And I said, I didn't tell him the truth because you see, I couldn't sing if I didn't have a few drinks. And if I had too many drinks, I would forget the lyrics. <laughs> uh, so uh, I knew I was going. To, I knew I was going to, to lose that job. So one night, this great big Swede logger came in there, and he had a roll of money that would choke an ox. And God, I fell in love with that roll of money. <laughs> oh, you know. And it was about two weeks later we were married. <clears throat> and uh, the fact that he was 20 years older than I was didn't mean a thing. I loved that man. I loved him because he drank like I did. You know, if I had dumped him about four o'clock in the morning and say, honey, let's have a drink. He'd, say, he'd sit up right and say, oh yeah, let's, where is it? <laughs> and you know, he, he drank just like I did. And uh, I, I believe I was an instant alcoholic because it did so much for me. And I thought, this is, this is the elixir of life. I'm going to keep this all through my life and I will be comfortable. So he had to go back up to the logging camp and he said that uh, he would send for me as soon as he had the house uh, ready. He was going to get a little house and, and um, so I thought, oh, okay, that'll be fine. And, and he says, now, I know you can't get any liquor from the liquor store, but try and get, uh, give somebody some money to get a license if somebody doesn't have a license and then they'll give it to you. And, and so I got about four bottles that way. And, I, and it was my turn to go up north. So I uh, got on the ship, and oh, you there was a blast of a party there, you know. And so I contributed some, and then I contributed some more, and pretty soon all his booze was gone, but I didn't really mind much. And I got up to that logging camp, and he was standing on the dock, and it's 4 o'clock in the morning, and it's raining, and it was real miserable. And when I saw this house... It was a shack on a float. It, it was, he had put a wall up. It was just one room, and I, he put a wall up in to make it two rooms. And, uh, and I thought, oh, God, this is a terrible place to be. And, and we, could, we couldn't get any much liquor there. You could send for one bottle. He was the only one that had a license. I didn't have one. And so he, he never seemed to want to uh, share that bottle, but I saw that I got mine. And... Uh, and I just, uh, we, we're just putting along, and one day I was walking through the married quarters, and a woman came out and she said, Ellen, would you like to come in and have a, uh, a glass of home brew? I said, well, what is it? And she says, uh, oh, it's homemade beer. I said, is it the real thing? And she said, oh, you better believe it is, and I beat her in the house. <laughs> I was right in there, and I got in there. And I sat down and I said, will you give me this recipe? And she, oh, she said, oh, sure. She, and we wrote it out and I drank it. She didn't drink as much as I did. She wasn't any fun. But anyway, uh, finally she poured me out around 5 o'clock. The men are coming home from work. And he walks in and he looks at me and he, and he says, well, where, how did you get that nut shape? And I told him. And I says, I've got the recipe for it. <clears throat> and he opened it up and on the kitchen table, moved everything out of the way. And then and he read that and he says, you know, this is real good. We've got to send for this stuff right now. And he, we cleared the table and we started right out this order. <clears throat> and about three weeks later, this stuff comes back. There's the tub and the bottles and the bottle capper and, and the yeast and hops and everything that goes to make good homebrew. And so... We spent that night. We didn't have dinner. We just spent that night just, think, <laughs> just, just thinking of what's how well, it's nice, uh, nice to have a, a source of supply. <laughs> and so uh, we, we put this behind the stove. And all went well, well for quite a while. <clears throat> and uh, 
they rationed, had rationed liquor by this time. The war was going on, and they rationed liquor, and it was just too bad. So they did, and we, we couldn't get very much, but we had the home brew. And so the first batch, it started to smell, and it started to smell so good, and it was just driving us two alcoholics straight up the wall. You can just can't imagine how tempting that was. And he kept, every morning he'd go, now don't you start bottling that, that uh, beer until I get home. I said, no, I won't. Well, one day I thought to myself, hell, uh, anything that smells that good has got to be ready. It's just got to be ready. So I will sterilize the bottles. Now, she had told me, when you sterilize the bottles, make sure you do it properly, because if you don't, there's going to be bacteria in it, and it will ruin the whole batch, and you'll get sick. And I thought, well, I didn't want to get sick, so I put that in the oven, and, did, and it brought, brought it up to some temperature. I forgot what it was. And here it was, uh, I bought, and early in the afternoon, so I took all the bottles out of the oven and, and I put them on the table. It had to cool off and it, it was took long. And then I pulled, the, pulled the, the, the vat, this big tub of stuff out from behind the store. And I waited and waited and I thought, you know, I just remembered about the bacteria. And I thought, oh gosh, I, I better maybe do that twice. So I put it, them all back in again and I sterilized them. Now, I was up that and that particular place about eight years and uh, I always sterilized the bottles and I always sterilized them twice and I don't believe I ever got anything into the bottles because what I did I'd pull this out and I'd say I have to test it and I'd put the hose in and by the time he came home, I'm sitting there looking, you know, I got this hose hanging out of my mouth. And then he would sit down, and he would take the hose, and we fought over that hose. And we did exactly the same thing every time. You see, I did never, I never, never thought that I could predict my own actions. You know, I would say, this time it's going to be different. This time we're going to put it in the bottles. And this time I'm going to only sterilize it twice and I do the same old thing and it would never... And I, I think the most sterilized bottles in the world, they had never been used. <laughs> and we would sit there and, and everybody in the camp knew that when we were on a drop. <clears throat> because, and another thing, the, out, the John... Uh, the John was an outhouse at the back of the house, and this was all on water. It, it was a, on a an inlet, so it, it had a tide. It's not like a lake, and so they would have this stiff leg out, you know. And on it, there's the John, and uh, nobody ever bought. They shaved it off a bit, you know, so that you could walk on it. But nobody ever put a rail on it. And well, you know what happened? We'd go out there, and first he'd fall in, and then I'd fall in, and we would insist on being neat and clean and not do anything in our house. We would go out to that giant, and we we would just knock ourselves sober because that water was it was pretty far north, and that water. <laughs> I used to get to town every once in a while, you know, the Vancouver, and. Uh, and he usually had to get me on the phone and, and threaten me. But uh, I, uh, one of these times I was, uh, I was down in, in Vancouver, and I met one of these lockers that had been up in the logging camp. And he had been one of these kind of guys that uh, saved up his money and would go to town. And what they would do, uh, the real alcoholics, you know, of course I wasn't an alcoholic. <laughs> but the real alcoholics, they would go to town and as soon as they got off the ship, they'd buy their return ticket. So that was secure that they could get back to their job. Then they would give the ticket to a friend. And that was when he passed out and had no more money, the friend would take and shove him on the ship and give somebody the ticket and they'd dump him off at the, at the camp. Now that's the kind of guy that this one was. <clears throat> and so I met him on the street and I looked at him and he looked real perky. And he was... Uh, you know, in Victoria, they like to dress up just something like the English people do, and, and it's it's kind of uh, it's, it's they they just uh, 
I don't know. They they try to mimic them, I guess. I don't know what it is. But anyway, this guy, he had on a good-looking suit, and it was an expensive one. And he had a navy blue overcoat and a white silk scarf. And he had a Homburg hat on, and his shoes were shiny. And I said, oh, my God, is that you? And he says, I I heard you were in town, and I, uh, was, I was looking for you. And I said, well, what did you want me for? He says, you know, I found something. I don't have to drink anymore. <clears throat> and I said, well, what do you want me for? You know? <laughs> and he says, well, he says, it's a thing, and it's called Alcoholics Anonymous. He says, and we have meetings, and we discuss our, our, our drinking, and, and, uh, and it, it, they're really good. And you, well, I said, what, what, what are you telling me this for? He says, well, I thought you'd like to come to a meeting with me. I said, what in the hell would I go to a thing like that for? I don't have any problem. And he says, I've seen you drink vanilla. I said, of course I do. I only drink it when there's nothing else, though. <laughs> and I started denial right then. Right then I started denial. I got d- divorced uh, later on uh, from, the, from that eight-year stint, and I never went back to the logging camps. But I, uh, I got a job in town, and my disease had, uh, had uh, just... Uh, gone on just rampant you know and I was a lot worse now than I was when I went to that YWCA dance and I lost my job because uh, I couldn't come in on Monday mornings I said I had the flu of course I didn't have the flu I was hungover I'd be sick and hungover and I couldn't get in and uh, then uh, sometimes I would go out for lunch and come back with uh, booze on my breath and, and that did it so uh, I got fired and so I thought well Maybe I'd better get married again. So I went looking, and, uh, I, and I found somebody, and I married him. And uh, pretty soon, he didn't like my actions, and he left me, and I was insulted. I was really insulted that he was like that way. So anyway, I got another job, and it was the same old story over and over again. And finally, uh, and they left me. Uh, and I, they told me that they get divorced. I didn't even look into it. <laughs> I, was, I don't know if it's something hanging over my head over there or not. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, I, uh, I thought, I know what. I've been try, trying to, you know, uh, live with somebody that's a drunk. And these two guys were drunks. And I thought, I want to marry somebody that doesn't drink much. Well, I did. And, oh, that was the worst thing in the world. <laughs> he, was a, he was the worst drinker. He would order a drink, and he would sip it and walk away from it. Can you believe it? He would. <laughs> he would walk away from that drink, and I'd grab it. And he said, don't do that. That's terrible. And I said, oh, I'm going to leave that drink there. And uh, finally, uh, well, you know, he kind of put up with me, and... Uh, so we were together a little bit longer than that, and he decided he'd like to go to California and live. And I said, well, I don't know whether I want to go. And he had bought a house and everything, and it was, everything was fine. And, and I said, no, well, I don't want to go down there. And finally, I, he says, well, let's go down to the immigration office and see if we can get through and, and become uh, uh, American citizens. So I said, well, nothing else to do. You know, I had the house to clean and stuff like that, but that was all. I wasn't working, and I could and I could nip along during the day. And uh, <laughs> we went down to the immigration office, and it took about six months by the time that we did everything. And the last time that we went uh, went down to the immigration, we had had a notice to come in, and this would be the last time. And they had a paper for us to fill out. Now, this paper that we had to fill out, right across the top of it, it said, "The following type of people are not welcome in the United States." And so. They were convicts, uh, felons, uh, drug addicts, alcoholics, and prostitutes. And then they had those yes and no squares. <laughs> and so I, I looked at that. Well, I had never been a convict, so I put no. And, and then I, I, I had never been a felon, but I became one after I got here. But I, so I put, the, I put no to that. And then... Uh, the uh, the drug addicts there were, there were really really weren't 
there wasn't much drugs around at that time. It was really early on. And so I put no to that. And then I knew I wasn't an alcoholic. But you know how I knew I wasn't an, uh, that I wasn't an alcoholic? I was sitting on a streetcar one day, and I remembered this. And this man sat down beside me, and suddenly he nudged me. He says, look at that alcoholic woman behind that billboard. And I looked at her, and she was drinking something out of a paper sack. Five old men were standing around her, and she had a muumuu on that went right to the ground. I did not have a muumuu, so I put no. (laughs) And then, of course, we come to the prostitutes. Of course I wasn't a prostitute. You know, everybody knows prostitutes charge for it. I was giving it away all over town free. (laughs) Jesus. And down to California they came. I came. And, you know, I love California. I just loved it. I fell in love with it. You know what? It wasn't its weather. It wasn't its people. It wasn't the cocktail signs all over the place. Every corner had a cocktail sign. And so I dumped this guy. <laughs> I just dumped him. And, and I thought I thought I'd better, uh, you know, I was going into... But anyway, we split up the money that he had. It was his money. I had him. But I, anyway, I got half his money, <laughs> and so I, uh, I opened, uh, I, I went to, and bought in on a ceramic shop, and uh, I was there for a while, and finally this partner of mine that had sold me her half of her business, she said, Ellen, I just can't stand you any longer. I said, why not? And she says, you're drinking, it's just terrible. And I said, I says, well, then buy me out, and they did, and so I went to work in the bars. And I'm going along just pretty fine, you know. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. And I started in a nice dinner house. Uh, but slowly I would be, you know, I would get drunk on the job or some little thing like that, you know, that should be, uh, you know, they should allow for things like that. And uh, all the customers were drunk, so why can't the waitresses be drunk? And anyway, and so I would go to a lower type of thing, and and I was going all the way down the hill. And, and my my disease is out of control, absolutely out of control. And so I started to to I started to uh, get um, you know try things to 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 stop drinking, and uh, not really stop, but just a little bit. You know, I want to drink just a little bit. And I never could do it. I never won that battle. Uh, I would, uh, I would uh, drink beer only. Oh, that was a good one. But you know, I was getting fat on it. You know, you drink beer and as much alcohol as I had been consuming, and it's just the same. Uh, you know, I was had a sucking on a beer day and night, and I got fat. And so I thought, well, maybe I better. Um, go up to Vic Tanny's gym. The exercise will do me good, too. So I would do that. But just before this, I had uh, been uh, complaining about my weight, and a customer of mine said, oh, she says, don't worry about it. I work for a doctor, and he has those real nice diet pills. And uh, she said, uh, they'll trim that fat right off of you. And you, and they will make you feel good too. And that was what got me. I didn't. I I would have kept the weight if I, but I wanted to feel good. I was there next morning, and she and I was standing knocking on his door. I wanted those pills. And I walked into his office. She had opened the door, and there he was. And do you believe? He was the fattest turkey you ever saw in all your life. He was just bloated. <laughs> and I'm so crazy, I I should have said, hey, if your pills are so good, why aren't you taking them? <laughs> no. I said, just remember, they're going to make me feel good. They're going to make me feel good. And they've made me feel good. I got, I got uh, my prescription and I went home. And in two weeks, it was gone. It was a month's supply. So I got another friend to go down and, and get the get the little physical. I gave her the money, and, and then I when I would go to get mine, I'd say, I'd, Mrs. Brown asked me to pick up her prescription. And it, pretty soon, I'm on five prescriptions of diet pills, and um, it, it was just awful. 
and anything else. Benny's on the street now. I found I found the source of Benny's, and I'm getting. And I want to tell you that when you drink like I drank, it will take every decent thing about you away from you if you'd not stopped. And that's what happened to me. And I was uh, I moved to Wilmington. I wasn't getting married anymore, so I, th- I thought that was progress. Because uh, I used to think these guys, it was these guys that were, were my husbands that were um, making me drink. And, uh, but I, and it was getting lower and lower. And one day, uh, a girl came t- uh, that I had known when I first came down to uh, California, and she came over and she says, Ellen, somebody tells me you're w- w- drinking down on... Avalon Boulevard. Well, Avalon Boulevard is, uh, the, you know, it's the street <laughs> right down to the docks. It is, and uh, and and I said, she said, why are you drinking down there? And she said, uh, I said, well, uh, I don't know. I I just uh, go slumming once in a while. Now you don't want to go slumming seven nights a week, but that's what I was doing. And uh, these guys would buy me drinks, and I got—I had a drink-getting story, and I want to tell it to you just in case one of you want to go out. You'll can't—you can't miss on this one. You sit up to, next to a guy who's half drunk, and then you start crying, and you cry, and he says, "What's the matter?" And I said, "Oh." It's just something that happened in my past. And so they'd say, and of course the guy wanted to know what it was. And I finally told him, I said, well, I was married, you know, and I had a little girl and she was blonde and, and I described them all. Wonderful, wonderful family. And I went to the store one day and when I came home, my house was in flames and I could not go in and get them. And he said, oh my God. Let me buy you a drink, because I told him, <laughs> I, I, I need to have a drink because I, I can hear their screams when I don't drink, and that's why I do. And Matty carried that thing all over town, and every, uh, the, all the, all, whenever I could. And uh, anyway, I, I had to, uh, I had to, uh, I didn't get married again right away. But I, I hung out there as long as I could, and finally I thought, well, I am going to have to get married again. Now, now I, nobody wants me. Nobody wants me. I, I, I'm just kaput. And so I, I looked around and I thought, well, I better, maybe I get sober. And I had joined Vic Tanny's gym, you know, to, to maybe uh, think of that. And so I, I remember I joined the gym late in the afternoon when I felt real good. But see, now my class at the gym was early in the morning. I'm trying to work a job that gets off at 2, and you have to clean up at 3 o'clock in the morning. And to get to 10 o'clock in the morning is disaster. I can't make it. <clears throat> I look up those stairs. It was a, a a Vic Tanya's gym it was a big long flight of stairs and I said I can't crawl up there I went into the bar next door and uh, every every day that I I went there I went into the bar next door and I got out my pills and I I always thought that you took them in a certain uh, you know just one no no that one goes second and this one goes third I had all kinds of formulas for this maybe this time it'll be different and so uh uh, then I would shove the thing down with, you know, drink, put the whole handful in my mouth and put it, drink it, and I'd sit there. And I likened myself to that Spudnik. Do you remember Spudnik, some of you? That was that Russian spaceship. And I had seen it somewhere, uh, pictures of it, and it looked to me as if that thing was shaking up. And it, was, and it sh- sh- shook and trum- trembled there and went, whee! And that's just what I did. I sat on that bar stool, and I shook and trembled, and all of a sudden, I went, whee, and I run up those stairs, folks. I run up those stairs, and I changed my clothes, and I would come out, I'd lie on the floor, I'd get, I'd have my feet and my arms going like this, and the instructor would just applaud me and say, these little fat ladies, you know, I'm still skinny, and these little, I was 94 pounds, 
And he says, now, if you would exercise like Ellen does, you too could have that kind of a figure. And God, I did, I'm 94 pounds. I was not even attractive. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it just went on and on. I never saw the ridiculousness. I denied, denied, denied. And I, I, I've been called an old drunk. I remember one time that, that I was, uh, I used to go home. Uh, through the alleys of Wilmington. The, the reason is because the cops would be on the street, you know, for their cars, and I didn't want to get picked up. I got picked up and, uh, for various and sundry things. Anything of it, you know, my hair's black, so what? You know, I don't didn't, you know, it didn't... I didn't want to get picked up. I got picked up and... Uh, for various and sundry things. Yeah, I won't get into it, but just guess and you'll be right. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I, uh, where, where was I talking about? <laughs> uh, uh, life just goes on. And so uh, I, uh, I, I, did, I finally, uh, finally decided that I would have to get sober, you know, just to get a husband. Go, uh, and so I did. And guess what I got? A bookie. <laughs> yeah, I, I got me a bookie. And, and we went over to Las Vegas, and, and uh, he was, uh, he was, I guess he was okay, but uh, he put me on the phones. Now, that was another really, really bad thing for me to do. I never thought of it. He asked me to answer the phone. I'd answer it, and I'd write down what they said. I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, so one day the cops came through the windows. My handwriting's on there, and they're going to take me down to the Long Beach City Jail. And I don't want to go down there on this charge. Oh, I do do not want to go. It's all right. It's uh, a suspect of rolling a guy or suspected <laughs> of stealing something. You know, that that was different. That was a little. You know, it was, but gee, this this is terrible. So um, anyway, <clears throat> we were uh, the, the cops. Uh, I thought, gee, I, I don't want to go down there. I don't want to go down there. And I had something that was very uh, bad in my purse, and it's called the Mickey Finn. And I had uh, used it on occasion. And I, some, I saw some girls use it, and, and I was drunk. And, uh, I, and I said, what do you think that guy's drink? And they said, it's a Mickey. He's got a roll on him. And I said, oh, I, can I watch? And so I watched, and, and I saw this performance, and I said, oh, I would never do a thing like that. And I turned around and said, have you got a few extra? <laughs> Just in case I needed, you know, some guy gets tough with me or something, you know. And, but I used them on, on occasion, and, and that, you know, I would wake up in the morning, and I would say to myself, wow, how could you do a thing like that to another human being? And I'd think, I'll think of it after I get a drink. And I would go out to my sink, and I was to the point where I had to put a, a bowl in the sink and a towel on the sink, a sink board and put a glass in the bowl so that I, in this wine, and, and that's what I did. And I would shake and shake, and then I would take it down, and it would be all right. And so I had these, these Mickeys, and I threw them up in the closet. They had already searched there, so I was pretty sure... And they hauled us off to the Long Beach City Jail. But before they went, I turned around and I had somebody had given me some maternity dresses to pass on to somebody else. And of course, I never did it, procrastinated. I don't know. I probably had them six months or so. <clears throat> and I thought, I bet if I put one of those maternity dresses on that they would, uh, they would, uh, you know, not take me down there. So I put on one of these maternity dresses and I walked out. I'm 94 pounds and I walk out like this and it's pretty hard to look, try to look pregnant. <laughs> but the, 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 and the cops had the funniest look on their faces, but my husband had the funniest look of all. <laughs> he, was, he was so surprised. <laughs> now, I'm a kind of a liar that I will never tell you I lied to. I just never would do that. And so... I walked up to him and I said, I was saving it for a surprise. <laughs> well, they took me down to Long Beach City Jail. And uh, we, when we got out, he's crying because he doesn't have the phones in. And, he, and then he's, he's laughing I'm, and they're just joyous because I'm going to have a baby, his baby. And, oh, God. And then, and then um, he, 
goes on and on. And the phone, and he's crying because the phones are gone. And I said, oh, sh-, you know, I finally said, oh, shut up. I said, just, just go down to the, uh, to, I'll get the phones and you go down to the telephone company. They'll be coming in off their shift. And you give them a $50 bill, they'll come and put those pho- this phone in, these phones in. And so I went, and he said, well, who are you going to get the phones? I says, you just drive me up to old Phil's place. Go and get that guy. So they got him, stashed him in the house there. And he waited, and I said, now go up to old Phil's place. And old Phil, now if he's still around, he's in this part of the country. I thought maybe he might be here tonight. But he has about 25 years sobriety now. But he was a drunk then, and I was a drunk. And I walked and went up to his door, and I knocked. And I, and he, he came to the door, and he says, oh, hi, Ellen. And I says, can I use your phone? And he says, yes. And I went and tore it off the wall. Grabbed <laughs> <laughs> this long cord. And he's running after me. <clears throat> and, I, and I had said to my husband, I said, now, keep the motor running and the door open. <laughs> you, have to, you know, I think to one too many movies. And, and, and this cord is hanging out the door. And Ophiel is running and staggering around. And you know, I'll just go a leap ahead. One time after I came in, and it was within my first year or two, and uh, I was speaking at a, uh, you know, they called me, it's a participation meeting, and I was, they called me up, and I was talking, and I heard this voice right from the back, and it said, tell them what you did to my I went, to, I was working here, and the, and the three months was up, and so I went into this, uh, the, the uh, ladies' lounge, and there was a, one of the waitresses there, and she was sitting there, and I said, Ruby, I says, how would you like to go out and tie one on with me tonight? I said, I have been having a lot of problems with my drinking, but I got it solved. And, uh, and uh, she says, no, I don't want to go. I said, oh, come on, Ruby, I don't want to go out by myself. Come on. And she said, no. And finally she says, I, and I said, why? She says, because I'm an alcoholic and I have two and a half years of sobriety in AA and I'm not giving it up for anything. And then she started in, and I don't know what she said. But the very last thing she did say was, Ellen, if you ever find out that you have a drinking problem, look in any telephone book in any city and look under Alcoholics Anonymous and you phone them, and you dial the number, and they will answer the phone, and you tell them you need help, and tell them where you are, and that's I remember. And I walked out uh, that, and I got drunk that night, and it was worse than it ever was. Oh, God, it was worse than it ever was. And so I, uh, I used to think about at night, you know, when I get home at night, I'd look that up in the telephone book, and then I got so crazy, I was looking at it every night of the week to see if it was still there in the same old, same book, you know. And, and, yeah. and then uh, he, uh, I just, uh, I looked at that, uh, but I wouldn't call it. And, and, then, and then I got thinking, you know, I think in a couple of years, I don't know how long it was, but it was no more than one year, but, uh, uh, and less than, less than two, I don't know, but uh, it was just... And I said to, boy, if I just, uh, just a minute, I got, I got lost track of myself there. Uh, what was I saying? <laughs> Come on, help me. Oh yeah, Ruby told me about the. Thank you. <laughs> Ruby told me about the, uh, about the, the telephone, and so I thought I bet I. I wonder if they go when they're out of business. Now, how would I know if they're out of business? I may need them, and I just might need them. And so she's, and, and I, uh, <laughs> it is so, so I, I'm a crazy woman by this time. And uh, so I, anyway, I uh, finally decided to, to call them in the middle of the night to see if it rang, and then it did ring. And uh, so I said, yeah, they're still in business. And I don't know how long it took. But one day I came to the point that I was right down, rock bottom. I had, I had uh, found myself in Wilmington. I used to walk down the alleys when I went home 
from the bars and uh, because the police were on the streets and they wouldn't arrest me if I was in an alley because they don't go in the alleys. And I, and I was going home and I remember seeing this, these car lights and uh, I, I, I got behind a trash can and hunkered down. The next thing I know, it's daylight and I have slept behind a trash can in Wilmington. And that day I went home and I dialed that number and that man answered the phone and he said, Alcoholics Anonymous, and I started to cry. And I cried and cried, and he said, Honey, he says, uh, would you like me to send a couple of women out to see you? And I said, well, are they alcoholic women? And she says, oh, yes. I said, oh, no, the neighbors might see them. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want any neighbors to see them. Now, I'll let you know that my neighbors would have been delighted to know that the two, <laughs> two alcoholic women were coming to take me away because my next-door neighbor, they were the darlingest kids. They were little Spanish kids, and they had a little Spanish baby, and his name was Ernie, and I can't remember their name so that I could try to look them up and ask them to forgive me or make amends to them. Because what I did, I used to come home at night and I would go to my knife drawer and I'd pull that knife out. And it was a great big long carving knife. And I went and I'd bash the door in, rip right off. Uh, and I'd run back and I'd get in there. And, I, and by the time I got in their bedroom, I opened their bedroom and door and I threw on their lights and I said, if you don't stop talking about me to the neighbors, I'm going to kill you. Now, can you have and that? And that was, I, I remember that ever once. God bless them. Anyway, the man on the phone said to me, well, don't drink anymore and you go over to this meeting. I, and he asked me where I had lived and I told him I, where I lived. And he says, you're only two blocks away. So I said, oh, that's, I could walk to that. <clears throat> uh, I thought. But I was pretty shaky, so I thought, well, let me see. I looked in my closet. I only had one dress, and I had no underwear, so I put the dress on, and I started to curl my hair. My hair was black. I don't recall having it done black, or, and it didn't seem, it didn't seem to, I, you know, I, I just didn't think anything of it. You know, my hair's black, so what? You know, I don't know. It didn't, you know, it didn't have, bother me any and uh, but when I was was perspire when I was coming off a drunk it always looked like uh, you know the pin curls pin curls you remember the pin curls yeah all the pin curls and that's hard to do when you're when you're shaking and I got it done up and then when I got it out it looked like the Medusa snakes you know <laughs> hanging down and and I went to the meeting and, and with no underwear on and <laughs> I didn't have any you know, I worn it out and thrown it out. What the hell? And, <laughs> and so I went over to that meeting, and I'm standing on the doors of the, uh, and they had a greeter. The greeter said, "Welcome." And so I looked around. <laughs> God, they met me. Every bartender in town knew me, and they threw me out too, lots of times. And here, you people welcomed me. Of course you welcomed me. You had something to give away. And if you give it away, you can keep it. So that's why you called. And that's why they did. But this woman, he went, he says, just stand right there. And he went up to this woman, and, and she looked at me, and she started walking. The, the closer she came, the more she could see. The more she could see, the faster she came. And she just took me like this in her arms, and she rocked me. And she said, you're going to be all right now. You're going to be all right. And the feeling of love that I have is the most, the most terrific feeling that I have ever had uh, up to that time. But I, I just knew that I was going to be safe. And so uh, in those days, they didn't talk about pills. No. I quit drinking. And one day I said to myself, uh, you know, I think that I could maybe... Uh, uh, well, this, uh, first of all, this girl came to me and she said to me, Ellen, you, you, you keep drinking, and, uh, but you, you, you know, you go out in a binge and you come back and you go out in a binge and you come back. I know you're using something else, I can tell. I'm a drug addict. Now, they didn't want drug addicts in here 
originally. Oh, they fought them tooth and nail. But this girl and I, we fought for them. <laughs> and, we, and if we were a leader of a meeting, we'd call all the drug addicts up. <laughs> anyway, she said, she said, if you need any help to get off what you're on, uh, I didn't tell her what it was, but I did get off it. And then I said to myself, you know, I think it was just about the time I started taking those pills that I was getting so bad. I forgot about the vanilla and all that kind of stuff, you know. And so there, sh uh, there I was, and uh, I, uh, I just, uh, just, I just kind of gave up. And uh, but you see, I, there was one thing that uh, I got off. The, I got off the pills, but it, it was tough. But I, I got, um, and they, they, I, I had didn't have any energy without them. You know, when you're being high, high, high all the time, you just think that everything is so slow, you know. And so I, I had to crawl to the bathroom for the first day, couple of days because I couldn't stand up. I was so weak. And I remember that. And, and, and it, was, it was embarrassing, and I was the only one that, uh, that knew about it. Now all you two guys know, too. But it was embarrassing to me. And uh, so uh, anyway, I just... Um, I, 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 I would go in and out, but I, you know, I thought maybe I took, uh, uh, now that I don't take pills, that I could drink, and uh, it didn't work. I, I went out and I got a couple of bottles of beer. I think I left half a bottle, and I ran to this meeting because I knew this man was there, and he had been an agnostic. And uh, I ran up to him and I said, Jack, I have, I have to get sober, I have to stay sober. And how did you come to believe in God? I'll try, I'll try to come to believe in God. And he says, oh, I'm glad you asked me that. And he, oh, he, was, he was all prepared, because uh, I guess a lot of people who didn't believe in God had been gone through him. And, he's, and uh, so he says, you know, I put it on cards. I believe, I believe there's a power greater than myself that will restore me to sanity. And he says he put these cards up over his coffee pot in his office, his bedroom and his bathroom and every place there was. He says, and when I, my eyes light on it, I said it, and I said it over and over again. And he says, now you go home. I'm going to give you these prayers. And he gave me three prayers. And, uh, and he says, now I, I want you to get down on your knees. You're a hard nut to crack, so just get down on your knees. And you have to do that. And so I went home, and I closed my door. God, I had a, a bundle of rent. The landlord was an enabler. Jesus, you know, he, he wouldn't bother much, you know, but, uh, you know, I'd always have, I said, well, I'll get it tonight, I'll get it tonight, get tomorrow, or whatever it is, but anyway, uh, he, uh, I, I got down on my knees, and I said, and he told me to, to, to ask God to help me, and so I got down on my knees, and, and I remember saying, I don't believe you're there, but if there's one chance in a million that I'm wrong, will you help me, and nothing happened. So I knew there was no God. And then I said, well, I didn't say the prayers. And then I, and, uh, I, I said all these prayers out loud. I read them all out to God. And, uh, and I waited, and I waited, and nothing happened. But you know, that wasn't so. That isn't what happened. Because that was on January the 15th, 1959, and I've never had to take a drink from that time to this. Anyway, I, I, didn't, I didn't know what had happened. I, did, I wanted to drink. I wanted to drink. I fought that drink every day, every day. But just about the time I was going to give in, it seemed to go away. God was helping me. And the bookie came back into my life and wanted a, a divorce. And so, of course, I didn't know about you don't manipulate people, you don't lie to people, you don't steal from people. You, don't, I, that was, you know, I was still doing all those things because uh, I wasn't working the steps. And so, uh, but I was hanging on to this. It seemed to go away every time. And so he, he, I got a car out of him, the money, and enough money to stay there. Then I immediately got a job up there, and I had all that money too. And I was just doing fine for myself, I thought. But anyway, I went up to uh, Lake Tahoe to get the divorce. I thought that was a nice resort to, to take. And, and so, but I wanted to drink, and as I had been up there a few days, and I had gone down to Carson City. That's where the central office was there. I don't know what I went there for, 
But I started back up the hill in this car, and I remembered. And this day, it didn't go away when I wanted to drink, and, and, and I knew I was going to drink. And I pulled into the side of the road, and I started to pray. And I prayed with all my heart and soul. And I asked God, I said, God, if you will help me now, I will do anything for you all the rest of my life. And it was at that moment that I, I, it was lifted, it was gone, and, and I was 10 feet off the ground, flying with a peace. You know, and we shall know peace. And it came to me that fast. Uh, and I walked in it and all, all, all the 32 years that I've been sober. And uh, I want to talk to you, take time to talk to you about the uh, newcomers. I've got to see my time. Um, you know, newcomers um, sometimes wonder, well, just, well, what do I do? You know, you've got to do something. And uh, I, had a, I had a friend that was, uh, had two, two weeks sobriety when he did, this happened. And he had been driving down Pacific Coast Highway, and he had picked up a drunk that was coming off a bad drunk. And uh, when the guy got in the truck, he, he says, I know how you feel, fella. I felt like that just a little while ago. And he said, well, how did you do it? He had his hands like this, and he says, how did you do it? He says, I don't know, but I know some people who do know. Will you come with me? And, you know, you, the, the newcomers don't know. And so do that, and, and you take one another, and you walk hand in hand, and his strength is your strength, and your strength is his strength. And that's the way it works. It works. And you give, you give them the love that they need and love is the most healing thing that there is in 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 alcoholism because it just bathes you and, and it's wonderful i i, I uh, came back down uh, from lake tahoe and uh golly you know what you know what i did i got married again <laughs> boy and it was, uh, this, uh, he had just about six months more than I was. So, you know, I, was, I, didn't have, I hadn't had my first birthday. And we got it all entangled up. And it lasted five years. And uh, that was a divorce again. So uh, I, want, I, got a, a, I wanted to do something with my sobriety. You know, I wanted to get, get an education. I, hadn't, I got dropped out of school. And so... I, I uh, went and took a med medical assistant course, and uh, I got a job in a doctor's office, and that was pretty good. But then my, uh, uh, my, um, my husband and I got a divorce about that time, and, uh, uh, and I, I wanted to do something else, and I was working for this doctor, and he, I had been with him a while, and he said, Ellen, he says, you know, I think that you could do a lot better than this. He says, there's a class going on out of Orange Coast College, out of Hope Memorial Hospital, for a cardio technician. And I said, do you think I could do? You know, I think that we come in here with a fear of failure. It's a, such a big fear that we don't even try it. And, and, and you, but don't, do it, do it, do it. Give it the best you've got, you'll make it, you will. If you want it, you'll get it. And, and I, I went and, and golly, I just, uh, I worked, I'd get up four o'clock in the morning and I would study. And then of course I had to have my x-ray license. I had to go through all that and all kinds of, I had to be able to read EKGs. I had to be able to tell the doctor on the phone what this patient's doing and and oh God! And I, I got a job in Long Beach Memorial Hospital, and I was a cardio tech there. And if you don't think I wasn't proud, I had a little white jacket, and I had a stethoscope, and I had some pride, and I and I liked me, and that was just about the nicest thing that could happen. And I used to go. I had two little partitions that the patients changed their clothes in, and before I started my day. I didn't bring the patients in first. I went in one of those, and I'd look up, and I'd say, Hey, God, ain't this a long way from, from Avalon Boulevard? And it is. It's a long, long way from the Avalon Boulevard. Um, 
One night I was at my usual meeting, uh, Saturday night, the one I came in on. Uh, one night uh, I heard a kind of a funny sound behind me, and I looked around, and there was a guy sitting, and he was redheaded, blue-eyed, <laughs> six foot two, and weighed 137 pounds. So I looked back, and he winked at me, and I said, "Hell, I'll fatten them up." <laughs> and I fattened them up. And some of you may see him sometime. He, he's a doll. He is a doll. He's my husband. I've been married to him for almost 28 years. Yeah. We have a good, a good uh, marriage because we don't let anything go on into the next day. You know, we, we both have pretty hot tempers when we want to get around to it, but we, we never go to bed without, you know, saying, I'm sorry. And, and it's the key. It's the key. It's the love. And uh, my, my life has just been wonderful. I, uh, I just, uh, it's hard for me sometimes to, to, to remember that, that the person I'm talking about is re I really did that. I, and I did. Uh, I, and, you know, it's, it's a very funny feeling. I mean, you can think that the things that I did, uh, the awful things, and, and I'd walk away and laugh. And now, God, I, I'm so full of love. I, uh, after I got, uh, I finally retired from, from, the, uh, from the hospital. And uh, that's been, uh, oh, about six years ago, I guess it was, I retired. And uh, I'm 74 today. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> And it's because of people like you. It's just like people like you. You healed me. And I try to heal other people now. I, uh, I used to... Uh, did I tell you about the bottles into the trash cans? Yeah, I told you about that. <laughs> yeah, I told you about that. Um, one day, I was... Um, I was my, uh, my sponsor... Uh, she was a wonderful lady, but one day she picked up the bottle. And I hadn't been seeing too much of her because she wasn't going to meetings. And uh, so she picked up the bottle, and she started at 10 o'clock in the morning, and at 6 o'clock she was dead. And this, pro this disease progresses even with long spaces of sobriety. You know, sobriety. And, if, and if you think that you can go out again and live through it. If you have 20 years, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. And it's a hell of a way to die. And uh, so uh, anyway, uh, I, was, I was driving home from her funeral. And I was going up a hill, and there was a great big billboard, Johnny, Johnny Walker Red Label. And on the bottom of it said, one sip and you're ours for life. Oh, that just chilled me. And I, and I cried, cried all the way home. I cried all the way home. And, and I thought, I, I never saw this, uh, the, that uh, billboard. Of course, I didn't go near it. I didn't want to look at it, you know. But I didn't see any others like that. But that's what it said on it. And, and it was strange. And, and I believe that God really does, uh, really does get, has a plan for each one of us. And... Uh, Anyway, uh, I retired, and you know, I got—I did some gardening, and I got all the little things done, and the painting, and the paper hanging that I've always promised myself to do, you know. And shoot, I didn't have anything to do, so I bought me a Yorkie, and I thought I'm going to raise Yorkies, and I'm raising Yorkies now. I have, uh, let's see, I have four little Yorkies. It's a. Uh, I can tell you up here because uh, the animal control is probably more lenient. I'm only supposed to have three dogs. <laughs> and they come around and they check. And I have a, a cage in the back. When the doorbell rings and I don't know who's there, I pick up two, well, two, two dogs I pick up because I have a big dog, too, that he's, he's, he's 18 years old and he's just staggering around. So I, ha I, and I've have, I have those three. And so when I run and I put them in this cage and then I have a great big comforter to go over so that they can't hear their barks. <laughs> As I, so I raise these. You see, I, I am still a little crooked. 
I do that. And one bright day, I was thinking about the the time that I had in the ceramic shop. My mother had been a, a you know, messed around with the mud there, and and I knew quite a bit of that, and and so and I had learned plenty in in that one. And I thought, I think I'll go and make some mugs, you know, and put birthday mugs out. And that's what I did. And then I got the promises marks out, and then I and I shipped them all over the United States into the into the gift shops, and, and I'm I'm so busy between birth and whopping those <laughs> Dickens and and all these all these cases of mugs going out, and, and they're very easy to do, and uh, it's 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 you know you have your social security, but what <laughs> you know they have this too, and. Uh, I have had, I really have had a, a wonderful, a wonderful, wonderful uh, sobriety, and uh, I, I just want to tell you that just keep coming back. Uh, I know what it is to fail, and because I, I, I was almost a dead failure, and my my skin was yellow when I came in, and the whites of my eyes were yellow, and it was a mess. And I'm not too healthy now. You don't live a life like that and stay healthy. I've been kind of sick off and on, you know. But, uh, you know, you just take it in your stride. And uh, uh, my mother and my father, my brother and my sister, they both were younger than I was. Guess what? I'm the only one left in my family, so I'm not so sick. (laughs) But they're all all gone. And... uh, I remember making a 12-step call from where I lived up to Vancouver, Washington. I had a cousin here. We have a lot of background uh, of uh, alcoholism. I had five, five uncles and uh, no, four uncles and a, a grandfather that died of alcoholism and two cousins. And uh, the, the one cousin, she lived here. and. Uh, she was an alcoholic, and my family kept writing to me, why don't you go and see your cousin and help her? Why don't you go on? And so I finally I did, and, sh- and she just didn't want it. She said, oh, she says, I went there, but she says, uh, it, it, it isn't any good. I said, it is so, look at me. And she says, well, God bless you. And, and, and all I could do was turn my back and, and walk away. And it wasn't too long. Winter came, and they found her lying in the snow. And she wasn't dead, but she was. She had been. Uh, she was. She was. Didn't know anybody, and she was put in a nursing home. She lived two years. And that was very sad because that girl. Uh, you know, you know people, and and, and you learn to love them, and you see them going like that. I, I do a lot of work in AA. Uh, I go into the Humana Hospital. Uh, on a panel, uh, the third, no, the fourth Friday of every month, and uh, take people in, and they, they have these Canadian guys coming down now, and uh, into that so that they can be treated, and so uh, uh, we have a panel there, and then I belong to the American Business Women's Association too. I have to get into everything <laughs> that I that I like, and anyway, well, the, our speaker said. Uh, that uh, she had come from this home of uh, abused girls, and some of them were alcoholics and drug addicts, and they needed help. And so uh, I couldn't catch her because she just walked off the podium and left, you know. And, she, and so I called her the next morning and I said, "Well, I'd like to take a panel into you, into you," and that's what I'm doing now. And these young girls, the first, you know, right off the street drug addicts, and just like I was, you know. And I got an answer for them every time, you know. <laughs> and I said, just sit there, honey. It's all right. You just sit there, honey. And now, oh, I, on the, about the fourth, the third and fourth, they started to melt. And now uh, they, they are, they, they were sitting there. One little girl, she, uh, well, two of them left. She <laughs> and walked out. And uh, they were back there the next time because they were told to. And the, the, these poor people say, you know, they all are in denial. I said, of course they are. Nobody wants to be an alcoholic. <laughs> and so, and, and these kids that sit there, and there's one little girl, she, somebody was reading the, the fifth chapter, and she's, she's reading a book. And I said, would you mind putting that book down? She says, I know that by heart. I said, all right, you can, you can read the next one then. 
And uh, so, uh, but anyway, they're, they're warming up. And the other night, uh, they were all so excited. That, you know, the laughter was there, the laughter in this meeting. And it's, it's just so great. And I take this, you know, I take the, try to get girls their age because there isn't anybody over 18 because when they're 18, uh, they, they're on their own and they're well qualified to be on their own because this place t teaches it and it's just great. The state helps them out too. And uh, so I, I just do what I can and, and I've got to repay you people for the love that, that you've given me and my, and my, my husband. He's, uh, he's not, uh, he's about 210 now, not that 139 or 8, what he was. I think I've specified my hour is up. You're doing fine. Okay, thank you. It, it's a real pleasure to be here, and uh, and I love y'all. And as my old friend of mine, Frankie, he used to always say, "Don't be ashamed to get down on your knees to get back on your feet." Thank you so much for having me.